This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Shall we begin? first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. Third rule of Fight Club, someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the fight is over. Fourth rule, only two guys to a fight. Fifth rule, one fight at a time, fellas. Sixth rule, no shirts, no shoes. Seventh rule, Fights will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule. If this is your first night at Fight Club, you have to fight. BFM 89.9, it's 7.39 and you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn and Sharmila. And today we are throwing it back to, if you can believe it, 1999. And therefore 24 entire years have passed um, since David Finch's Fight Club. It feels like a little bit of a betrayal to our Arvind that uh, we decided to do him on the week that he wasn't around. Um, but I'm so excited that we finally get to talk about Fight Club. Um it is an odd experience rewatching it, and, it is. and I don't mean in a bad way. Um, I love this movie. It's probably one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. Rewatching it is interesting because I feel like I'll never be able to watch it with the lens I had the first time I watched it. Right? Um, I can recite what the next line is going to be. I anticipate each shot and and you know each um, little quirk that Edward Norton or Brad Pitt bring to it. Um, also, the huge cultural footprint of this movie. The fact that I only realized yesterday, the way we, the word snowflake is now used, originated from the book, which then the movie popularized. Worth saying that it wasn't a success at the time. It was a, yeah, yeah fair, so, flop, fair flop, actually. Um, it's a, so weirdly, for a movie that's become super popular and super quoted and very well known, um, it is actually considered a cult classic, which is strange considering how exactly how famous it is and the fact that um, this is a rare thing for a throwback, but it's three main actors. Um, Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, Helena Bonham Carter, all still working, all still very successful, have in fact gone on to be more successful since Fight Club, which is not really something we always get to say about the throwbacks. More often than not, we're like, oh, so this was the movie that they were good <laughs> in, you know, and, and you don't necessarily get that same kind of vibe. So... What do we say about Fight Club? Um, we're talking about it because tomorrow we're going to be reviewing Bottoms, which features a Fight Club um, and, and clearly pays tribute to this one. Fight Club, do I start with the premise? Maybe I start with the premise. I was actually wondering whether you're planning to spoil what the movie no, is. No, 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 no. of course okay, okay. not. So All no right. spoilers, but um, worth saying that the film is based on an unnamed narrator who is experiencing a crisis of modern life. He can't sleep. Um, he feels stuck with his things, surrounded by items. Uh, modern life does not seem to have the meaning he wants. But then he encounters a mysterious cult-like figure who who leads him, Tyler Durden, um, Tyler Durden who leads him into the fight club life, to starting fight clubs um, and to finding meaning in masculinity in the act of fighting 
other men. So I said huge cultural footprint. Um, it is actually, frankly, bizarre to re-watch Fight Club today and to hear the sort of lines that you now see being taken seriously in certain corners of social media, right? The, the alt-right, meninist-style movements um, being used in Fight Club. It's, it's a very odd thing because uh, that's the thing about a movie like Fight Club, right? Fincher... David Fincher, the director, or the the original um, novel, the Chuck Palahniuk, um, never intended for this to be a celebration of the kind of toxic masculinity that's on display. It's meant to be um, a much more sober breaking down of what has gone wrong in society that men are feeling so um, lost and directionless and and resorting to these sorts of behaviours. But since then, I think, much like a lot of these kinds of cult-like figures, Tyler Durden, your Don Drapers, your Jokers, they've gone on to become sort of a thing of their own. It's almost like they're too successful. Yeah. And and it's, it's the Heisenberg thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. I So watching, re-watching it is... is Interesting and uncomfortable. Maybe I'll put it that way. Um, I think it is well-deserving of its reputation. So a lot of the Fincherisms, a lot of the stuff that I enjoyed about Fight Club, I don't think I watched it in 1999, but a lot of the stuff that I enjoyed when I first watched it, um, I still do. The The way the action sequences are shot are so kinetic. Um, the, the squalor that all of the characters live in is so evocative. It's a very lurid movie. Um, the colours really pop. Um, the wardrobe is so interesting. There's literally so much texture and interest happening on screen at any given moment. And there are so many of the stylistic flourishes that you expect with, with David Fincher and that other people have since copied, right? Like the like the IKEA catalogue, um, like the the actual ways in which the fights are shot, all of these things, the music. Um, there's so much stuff about the film that's deeply iconic. On the other hand, there's so much stuff that has been copied since as well. And that's always the curious thing about watching a movie that's gone on to influence a lot of other filmmakers. A copy of a copy of a copy. A copy of a copy, yes. Oh my God, I'm going to try not to overcoat Fight Club. Um, it is also actually a genuinely well-made film. We recently reviewed The Killer by David Fincher. I was the one who liked it the most amongst the three of us. I did find myself thinking about The Killer and wondering, what on earth? Yes. So that said, I liking Killer. I liked Killer. When I watched Fight Club, I was like, where's this David Fincher? Can we bring him back for a while? The sheer, I don't know, the energy of this film, right? It's meant to be uh, not necessarily told out of time, but there's a weird quality of the time in the film. You don't quite know. You lose time. Things happen. You move from place to place. And it all happens so quickly and, and with such an expert sort of um, forward motion. You don't, you don't feel time moving in the film. And even though there's a lot going on, there's also a weird sense of being stuck that you feel along with the characters. It's such a well-made film. I just love everything about... Um, I mean, we can talk about the story and the acting and so on, but I love everything about the technical aspect of this movie as much as the rest of it. Riel says, did you know that there's a Starbucks cup in every scene in Fight Club? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think that that is exactly the sort of attention to detail but also, it's not an urban myth, right, if it's true. Um, this is also the sort of urban 
factoid <laughs> that that has become so much a part of the the Fight Club mythology. Um, let us know. We're talking today about Fight Club from 1999, directed by David Fincher, starring Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, Helena Bonham Carter. It feels silly to ask, have you watched it? Um, or maybe it's more accurate to say, you know, is it one of your favourites um, or not so much? Have you rewatched it recently? Let us know. That number to WhatsApp is 018-789-8899. You can also tweet us at BFM Radio. Best flipping moments. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Like so many others, I had become a slave to the IKEA nesting instinct. If I saw something clever, like a little coffee table in the shape of a yin-yang, I had to have it. The Klipsk personal office unit, the Hovatrek home exer bike, or the Yohanishov sofa with the string green stripe pattern. Even the Rizlampa wire lamps of environmentally friendly unbleached paper. I'd flip through catalogs and wonder what kind of dining set defines me as a person. BFM 89.9 at 7.48 and you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn and Sharmila. We're throwing it back to 1999 and Fight Club, David Fincher's Fight Club. So um, I think that we've established this is a very well-made movie. Uh, it's well-written, it's snappy, it's eminently quotable. I mean, of course, the first rule of Fight Club, as we heard, <laughs> you do not talk about Fight Club. And people still quote that all the time. Um, but there are also a lot of other smaller lines that have crept their way into, into quotability. And I think a big part of that has to do with, of course, the writing by uh, Jim Ulls, adapting Chuck Palahniuk. But but the other thing is that the performances are, to Goldilocks it, the performances are just right. No, absolutely. Um, I think the, the the main three characters all have a lot to do that's very complex and very different from each other. And they each nail it just right. Um, Edward Norton actually having rewatched it now, I realise had the tougher job of A the really tough job, because actually. Because he had to stand up against two other very showy characters. Um, and particularly when he is playing the foil to Tyler Durden. Um, and Brad Pitt is so, like, if you want to use the phrase bravura performance, Brad Pitt as Tyler Durden is it, right? He's so showy and so over the top and very good at it. But Edward Norton, though, um, that scene where he uh, beats himself up in his boss's office, I watch it over and over just to figure out how he did it. Like, how did he pull this off so believably? Edward Norton is the least interesting character, yes. and yet he is our avatar, right? Mm. He's the one that the, he is the entryway, really, to the insanity and that is have, the rest of Fight Club. You have to like him, even though he's kind of unlikable. He's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> he's just he's he's not, I think, a good person, and and we know that everybody knows that. But it doesn't change the fact that you have to find him at the very least relatable because he is that he's supposed to be the everyman who, whose existential crisis we actually understand or that we actually vibe with. I think that if we go back to Brad Pitt though, it's, it's a really weird thing because Brad Pitt is almost single-handedly responsible for the toxicity of Tyler Durden becoming as popular and appealing as it is because the this, this is the classic problem with anti-heroes. They are always played more often than not by really charismatic people. That in such a way that you end up believing, oh, this is the hero. This is the person that I'm supposed to be rooting for. And midway through, I it took me midway till midway through the movie um, for me to turn and say, 
He's talking drivel, this man. Yes. He is actually speaking drivel. But the performance is so charismatic and powerful that even after that, you're like, you miss him when he's not on screen. It is the equivalent of the tweet that sounds meaningful when you first read it. And then when you think about it for 10 seconds, you're like, oh, actually, none of this makes much sense. It's very self-involved and very much self-focused. No, but he's so, so watchable and so charismatic. You know, that that red leather jacket, the swagger as he walks down the street. The weirdly um, low pants. Yes. Um, the hair, the glasses. There's a scene um, where he allows himself to get beaten up really badly. There's blood everywhere. The violence in this movie also is so interesting and stylistic. The, the violence is interesting because it's um, close. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. because not Fight really Club, right? as bad as I remember it being, but so visceral because it's it's so in your face. Yes, and the sound, uh, the yeah. sound mixing does a lot. But that scene... Frankly, it's bonkers. Like, he looks nuts. Um, you know, it, it looks, it's very difficult to look at him, and yet you cannot stop. And very few actors can actually pull off this kind of role and still remain likable at the end. And that's a little bit of the problem. It's a little bit of why Tyler Durden has become this mythology. Riel has a really interesting question saying, do you see Fight Club as the male equivalent to Mean Girls? Toxic dysfunctional femininity versus toxic dysfunctional masculinity. That's a really interesting juxtaposition that I'd never thought about. Um, I think that's a fair comparison. Um, uh, I, I think it's a fair comparison. But the age for me is, is difficult. Uh, well, that's one thing. I think also the scope of the movie is very different, right? Because um, the beauty of Mean Girls is that it's contained. It's like a microcosm of a world in set inside high school. So it's very harmful. No, one's, no mm. one is denying the harm. Um, it's, it's very harmful. It's really rather bad things happen to people's psyches. But it's within school. So you have the knowledge that school days will end, that they will graduate, that you know they'll, they'll move on and be toxic elsewhere and separately. Um, but the thing about Fight Club is the scope of the ambition of Project Mayhem um, is as such that it reaches out into society. But I think this is a really interesting comparison also in terms of quotability. Oh, yes. Because it's made... Um, it's made characters who shouldn't be that appealing, very, very quotable. So the other thing that makes Fight Club, that elevates Fight Club, in my opinion, above something, above a lot of other movies like this, is the fact that the things that they're talking about, the problems, the the shallowness of consumerist culture, the uh, relative loneliness and emptiness of modern living, how you're convinced um, that the things you own end up owning you, um, it's things that we all agree with, actually. A lot of us would probably identify with it, agree with it, would probably say, yeah, that is a problem. I wish I knew how to get out of that cycle. Um, but then the movie takes that premise and then takes it to a crazy place and then asks, well, would you go this far? It does that. Um, but I think it also, I, I understand why the movie flopped. Um, I, I think that it is very confrontational. It's it's funny watching it now, uh, 24 years on now that its ideas have actually become mainstreamed. And now that we're, we know Fight Club, you know, so when you rewatch it, it's an entirely different experience to watching it in its context for the first time. Because if you, if you actually think about what it would feel like to watch this movie, this very stylish, very violent, um, very smart, very intelligent movie, um, I think the, the film spends a lot of time asking you, do you like me? But if you like me, you're kind of wrong for it. Yeah. You yeah. know, it, it kind of challenges you. It hugs you, then it slaps you in the face. No, and also because 
that era was also when all of the stuff that the movie makes fun of, your your you know self-assembling furniture chairs, furniture lines, and your coffee chains, was deeply aspirational. Yeah. In 1999, this was the lifestyle everyone was sort of chasing after. It was it was meant to be a marker of success, and the character that we're following along with, Edward Norton's character, has those things. So it did, I think, question a lot of the things that we thought we were working towards, and then made you feel strangely hollow because even at the end, what are you left with? The movie doesn't give you anything um, that you can take away and make and feel good about. So a couple of points, right? Um, firstly, we're approaching remake territory. No. Um, no, I mean, okay, to be very clear, nobody <laughs> is talking about this. Um, but Hollywood being the, the endlessly self-regurgitating machine that it is, it means that at some point, somebody's going to look at something like a fight club and think, huh, um, I... I don't know, you know, I I don't know whether it can ever be recaptured, that kind of freshness. I don't think it can. And I also think that weirdly, it's the fact that it feels so relevant and fresh even today is because it wasn't made today. I think it was made at a time when um, they weren't trying to be self-aware. Um, and because of that, it's managed to become this sort of thing that will maybe, sadly, be relevant for a really long time. Yes, Um it's also a little bit um it's also a little bit with some exceptions not tied to modern technology mm. and so there are ways in which it will stay fresh for longer uh just to close off i think we do have to talk about the twist um or rather not talk about the twist but just to acknowledge that there is a very big twist um I don't know why I'm talking around it. <laughs> no, actually, this was my confusion. Do people not know what Fight Club is? But but you know, I but want a generation of people yeah. to be able to, to watch it with the joy of watching it for the first yes, time. Yes, because if you've never watched it, then then me even saying there's a spoiler, is, uh, me even saying there's a twist might be a spoiler, but I hope not. Because um, I think that the twist, watching it this time, I watched it with the knowledge that it was coming. And therefore watch through the film to catch those context clues that hint um, as to what it is. And I thought that that was really clever, as in it was done very well. Once you know, yeah. you can't unsee, and then you see how cleverly the movie puts it together. But you know what I'd forgotten was how the reveal or whatever happens. And when it did, I was really pleasantly surprised at how low-key it was. Yes, it was, yeah. It, it, you know, you kind of expect this whole like, yeah, but no, it, it's very low-key. And kind of beautiful. It's like beautifully executed. I also want to say that re-watching it, I felt so much for um, Helena Bonham Carter's Marla that I did yes. not feel in the past. Because when I first watched this movie, um, I was younger and I, I, I watched it as... Um, Un unquestioning about the male narrative, about the fact that at the heart of it, it's a men's, it's a man story, or it's the story of men, and it still is. I think that that is actually the most appropriate lens to look at it. Um, but that I don't want to negate Helena Bonham Carter's Marla because she's actually a very important figure in the movie. Um, the narrator, in fact, says it starts with her, yes. and it does. It does. She also actually provides, once you realise what's going on, yeah. she provides, she becomes your everyman, almost. Uh, she's also the anchor for the movie in yes. many ways. She's the emotional anchor for the film that helps it make sense. Also, her performance is great. La. I mean, she gets overshadowed by the other two, but her performance is so pitch perfect because that could have easily become super unlikable or annoying, and it never does. 
do you see yourself rewatching this movie soon, or do you think you'll give it a bit of time? I think actually I was quite excited, and I thought, oh, why have I why have I not rewatched it more often or more recently? So I think actually pretty soon. I'm gonna give it space because I want it to surprise me again. This is a good point. I though. want to forget yeah. enough enough about it so that when I watch it again, I'm like. This yeah. is a good film. I had that experience this time and it, it's actually very worth it. Let us know. Uh, we're talking today about Fight Club from 1999. Have you watched it? Have you re-watched it? Uh, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.